just really emotional because he's been so faithful. And we just sang Great Is Thy Faithfulness, which is one of my favorite hymns of all time. And I'm just standing there, you know, knowing I'm about to come up here and try to share for just a few minutes and singing that song. And I don't know what you're going through or where you find yourself, but if you'll just hang on to the hem of his garment, he might take you on the ride of your life, but you will find yourself standing right smack dab in the center of his faithfulness. And you won't even know how to say it. You'll just have a lot of tears rolling down your face like I did. And I kind of feel like it's just a, a moment for me. And so thank you for being in it with me. Um, it's been a wonderful sermon series. And it's it's been a wonderful time sitting on the sidelines and just cheering you guys on. And cheering on the testimonies that have been shared. We have a hundred testimonies that we could be sharing this week we had some great victories in the life of our church. God is just so good. He's just so good. And some of them haven't, the stories haven't been told yet, but he's just so, so good. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. And we're so thankful, but um, just want to say a real shout out to Aaron and Elaine and Maddie and how um, you're sharing your story so openly, but I was struck by how calm all three of you were, and even Ginger and Paula that shared that night, how the spirit of peace was on all of you as you shared. What I love about that is that you were stepping into obedience in that moment, and you were so anointed, and there was such a peace over all three of you, and I just wanna celebrate your obedience, but also want to celebrate the anointing of God on you as you told your story, and just don't want you to recognize, don't miss the peace that you felt in those moments. That was God. That was His Spirit. That was His presence on you and in you and definitely through you. Aren't we so proud of them, church? We have three short stories tonight, and um, we're going to get to that in just a quick second. Instead of one longer testimony, we have three short stories, and I'll remind them to keep it short. Um, I, we are so excited about these three testimonies tonight as we, as we have them come up. But just so you know, at the end of the service, you're going to get a chance to come up and respond to some stations. And one of the things that's available for you is a piece of paper. And those of you that have been here the last few Saturday nights, you know what this paper is about. But for those that have not, let me explain what this white paper on the tables represent. We're in the middle of a sermon series called This Is My Testimony. And a lot of times after we come to know Jesus and we have that moment, that's such a huge moment in our lives, but we don't really know how to form what just happened and how life was before we met Jesus and then the moment we met Jesus and then life, how life has changed since meeting Jesus. Or let's say, there was a miracle situation that happened or a happening that was totally undeniable God in our lives. And we call that a, a God moment. Okay, let's say that moment was he provided out of nowhere. And that provision can be anything. We're going to talk about that in a second. That would be the moment that would go in the middle there. And so if you pick up this paper and you've never really known how to tell the story, you've never really known how to explain what happened. This paper will walk you through how life was before the moment. What were you dealing with? What was life happening in your moment before that moment of provision? And then God provided. And then how that provision changed everything. And so this paper you're going to get a chance to pick up later tonight. And whether you have done this exercise or not before, especially if you haven't, grab it tonight. Because here's the thing. God is always at work. He's always creating new moments, right? I have a whole new moment i got to figure out how to tell, right? And so I am just hoping that you will take this paper ready for the next moment, telling the story always of God's faithfulness and his undying love for us and how he sees us and is with us always. Well, I'm getting um, sidetracked, so I'm going to move forward. But I just want to, and I'm getting texts right now from the staff. So, it, girls, we are in church right now. Okay? Um, but anyway, as long as it's not for me, as long as I'm good, then we're good. All right. So, no, they were actually communicating beautifully, and I just love Are we blessed? Our staff, are we blessed? 
You guys are incredible, and you're going to hear more from some of them tonight. Well, tonight's testimony, if you didn't pick up on it yet, is on provision, how God provides. And you hear that word in the church a lot, and a lot of times we connect it to the fact that, um, like I said before, like a financial provision came through at the last second. Or just exactly what you needed, someone gave. That check came in the mail. That bonus you weren't expecting. We talk about provision in those ways often. We don't always talk about provision in maybe the peace that God gave in a difficult time. Or maybe the provision of a friend that came into your life in a low season. Or the strength that you needed to get through a battle. There's, the testimonies are endless of how God can provide, but we typically tend to focus on the financial provision when we talk about provision sometimes. But there's a story in the Bible that actually identifies a name of God. And it's early in Genesis. It's actually early in the Bible, in Genesis 22. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But Abraham was a man in the Bible early on. We hear about him and we see him. And he gives God the name Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. You might even see it, Yahweh Yara. The Lord will provide. And Abraham gives God this name because of an amazing provisional moment. But let me give a little backstory before we start reading out of Genesis 22. Isaac was Abraham and Sarah's miraculous gift to them in an old age. Isaac was their son. He was a promise fulfilled by God. A promise that he would give them a, a child and a, a son in a late age. And he did. It was a very late age. And he did. And Isaac was to be a great nation. And he was this kind of promise in the future, not just in the present as he was born, but in the future there was a promise to be fulfilled through Isaac. So it seemed. Until God asked Abraham to put Isaac on the altar as a sacrifice. And so we're going to read in Genesis 22 now, and that's where we're starting. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. I want you to know that Moriah is a mountain. Mount Moriah, we might read in other translations. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son, Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Awkward. <laughs> Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Oh, you see, hold on. Do you see that he just declared something? He just declared something. He just declared in faith. He didn't speak his fear. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. 
Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your only son from me, Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Amen. Leave it right there if you would. You know, there were times in the Bible that you read about Abraham, and I'm just going to be frank. Abraham was dysfunctional. He had some real dysfunction. But you got to give it to him right here, right? You really got to give it to him. When he declared that God would provide after he was never promised that, as we can tell. But he believed. Because he believed the promise. Do you remember I talked about Isaac being the promise? That he wasn't just going to be born, but he was going to be a great nation. And so Abraham is standing there. Isaac hasn't yet become a great nation. But God promised it. So he's not going to, I mean, he's asking me to lay down my son. Probably because if not careful, Isaac could have been an idol for Abraham. Abraham could have worshipped his son a little bit. You know, he's just so happy to have him. And so God was maybe hoping that um, Abraham would keep God in his rightful place. But Abraham knew the promise that God had spoken to him before Isaac was ever born. And so Abraham was stepping every foot up that mountain, clinging to the promise of God. Not the current situation, the promise. That God would provide ram. Because you see, I know you said that, God. And I don't just believe in you. I believe you. And so when Abraham speaks a few passages back, we'll just leave it right here. When Abraham speaks a few passages back and says, God will provide it. It's because he was standing in, in, the, in the promise that God had given. He was not standing in the problem. He was standing in the promise. He saw the problem. He wasn't blind to the situation at hand. But he remembered the promise of God way back here. And so while I'm being asked to do this, I still know what you said, Lord. And I'm clinging to the promise. I'm standing on the promise. I might be smacked out in the center of a major problem, but I'm standing in the promise. <clears throat> And I'm really thankful for this example in the Bible of two things. That we may be in the center of a big problem. But have you heard the promise? Have you heard the promise of God in your life? If you haven't, please get along with him and ask him to speak over your life. His promises to you or open up the word of God and we'll read them. Do you stand in the promise even in the middle of the problems? It's hard. I know. But there's a couple of times in our situation where I feel like God has given me a promise about this church and about its future. And one of them includes my dad. And there's been a few times that he's been really, really sick. He might have nine lives. Just saying. Just saying. But he's been really, really, really sick. And I remember saying, and I've said to my husband, I said, well, that hasn't happened yet. So God's not done. Yeah, yeah. Because I believed him when he said this to my heart about the future of this church and a piece of it that includes my dad. And that could happen in three months, that could happen in three years. I don't know. Hang in there, dad, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing. I believe God.
this past season of my life with cancer. There's some things I believe I saw before I was diagnosed. And so I was like, I don't know how we're going to get there and how you're going to do that, but I believe you. And that hasn't happened yet, so you're not done with me. And we're going to get there. And I'm going to be there when we get there. Amen? Yeah. Good. He's good. And he's provided. He's provided strength for the journey. And he's provided healing when it was needed. So I'm thankful for this story for two reasons. That we can stand in the promise even when we're staring at the problem. And that he's a ram in the thicket God. That he's a Yahweh Yireh. That he's a Jehovah Jireh. That he's a Lord who will provide. And I love this last phrase in verse 14. It will be provided on the Lord's mountain. You see, there's a lot of times that we're asked to climb some mountains and God asks us to do it. And it's a pretty steep mountain. But what I'm told in this statement on the Lord's mountain, it will be provided. And so that steep mountain that's in front of us that the Lord has ordered, yeah, it's steep. Yeah, it's scary. Yep, that's gonna hurt. Yep, that's gonna be hard. But we've already been given this promise. Do you see it? It will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Now, don't go out there just traveling your own mountains. Don't be like, well, it said the Lord will the Lord provide on these mountains. No, it says it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Amen. So before you pack your bags and take a hike, know that it's the Lord's mountain. You're climbing. Because it's there that you will know Jehovah. My provider, his grace is sufficient for me. And so smack dab in the middle on the top of the scariest, steepest mountain hike you've ever been on, you'll find him. It will be provided on the Lord's mountain. It's not always in our timing, can I get an amen? My friend has a tattoo that says 115959. And it's a reminder that sometimes it's in the very last seconds that he comes through. But see, God doesn't see it like that. He just sees, I did that. <laughs> I came through. God comes through. And sometimes it's at the very tippy top of the mountain. But it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. If you take nothing else from tonight, take that promise. Because there's going to be a problem at some point in your life. And he's promised you that on his mountains, he provides. He provides. Take inventory of the mountains that you're on. Have you created them yourself? If you have, do a little holy work with God and ask him how to get off this mountain <laughs> properly. With his help, he will lead you. But if there are some mountains that you're on, ask them, Lord, is this you? Did you bring me here? Because if so, I'll be watching for you. I will keep a watchful eye for God activity on the mountains that God has brought me on. Because it is, it is there that he will provide. You can believe his promises, even in the middle of your promise problems. So I have a quote I want to share with you, but while, before I do that, if our testimonies will come forward and um, start getting in their chairs, then I will read this. I love this quote. I don't know its author, so please forgive me. I didn't have it memorized, and I didn't include it. Forgive me. But it's not my quote. Abraham christened the anonymous mountaintop not by a name that reminded him or others of his trial, but by a name that proclaimed God's deliverance. Jehovah Jireh. 
He did not say anything about his agony or about his obedience. Let us name the heights that lie behind us, visible to memory, by names that commemorate not the troubles that we had on them, but the deliverances that on them we received from God. Isn't that good? Take a look back. In the seasons where he provided, name that season what he did. We often will name seasons that we went through by our problems, but maybe it's time to name them by his provision. I love that thought. So take a look back in your visible memory and think of those seasons and rename them how he provided. It might be another level of deliverance that you didn't even know you needed. Isn't that good, church? Well, welcome our testimonies here tonight. So I told them that it would be short stories. All three of you could preach really good sermons. So um, we're going to try to keep it beautifully brief. I can't wait for them to hear from you guys. I'm so excited. So take a second to introduce yourselves, if you would. Say whatever you want to say. My name's Laura Davison, and I am the front door pastor here at Church of God, Sarasota. And I work with the young adults as well. And I am so thankful to be part of this church. I love it so much. My name is Eric Reeder. I'm one of the pastors here at Church of God, Sarasota. I move in Northern Fast, and I am, I am. Somebody help this man. I am so thankful to be here, and I'm, I'm married to Marsha. I'm Chi-Chi Mobley, and I'm uh, Marsha's mom. But uh, my husband and I work with the senior adults. Yes. And I uh, help with the worship and, and lead the cleanup ministry. And the potluck ministry. And the potluck ministry. That's enough. Cleanup batteries are the most important ones, by the way. Yeah. Aren't we so thankful for their service? And Eric didn't say this, um, but he also leads the men's group that happens here on Wednesdays. And it's amazing, 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 amazing ministry that's happening there. And so, and obviously, so many other things here in the church. And all of them are very modest, but they do so much. And they're just so amazing. We're so blessed and so thankful. But we're going to jump in. Are you guys ready? So you kind of heard the intro. I hope that you've prepared about provision. Have you? Okay, good. So I am just so excited for them to hear what you guys have prepared to share. And I'm going to say a brief prayer for you. Can I do that? God, you're so good and we love you so much. And we thank you for all the ways that you have worked ahead to this point. God, we thank you that we can look back and see the deliverances that you've provided for us, that we can name those seasons your provision, not our problems. I thank you tonight that these three servants of yours, God, are prepared to share your miraculous ways. And so, God, I pray that you would bless each one as they share. And God, that you would literally bear these testimonies as seeds into our church, and may it bring much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm just going to let them share. Um, Laura is going to be first. So for me, God has provided me a life. And he's provided me life. He's given me life. But he's also provided me a life. So I was 16 years old when I gave my life fully to Christ. And I gave up some dreams that I had that don't even make sense anymore. But I said, God, give me the dreams that you have for me. And I had to struggle that at times, but I said, God, it's all yours. And so I was at a youth conference in 2011, and God spoke to me so clearly. I can't even explain it. And he said, um, Laura Ann, I'm calling you to be Laura Ann, and I'm calling you to something that doesn't exist yet. And it was so clear, and I knew it was God. And so I just kind of went about life like, I have no idea what exactly this is, but I'll just take steps of obedience along the way. 
So I studied ministry in college, and I gave him my college choice. I mean, I, I literally gave God everything. Like, God, you tell me exactly what to do, where to live, what to say. Um, I didn't do it perfect, but I let him tell me. And so I went to Anderson University, studied ministry, and then God provided me an opportunity to get my master's degree paid for and to move out to Oklahoma. So I worked for a college there, Mid-America Christian University, and did my master's there. And it came to a point, I came home for a break, and Marsha and Eric were talking about moving down here, and I always knew that. And, um, but God spoke um, to me, like I wanted to be a part of that, but how, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to be on staff, all that kind of stuff. And so um, when they invited me to come down, I was just like in awe, couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And I just froze, like didn't talk. It was, it was one of the coolest moments of my life because I knew like this was part of that and it didn't exist, right? So it was like, whoa. So went back to Oklahoma and I had a cute apartment there, saved up all my money to buy like just all this cute stuff. Marsha is a great interior decorator, helped me uh, by FaceTime decorate it. I loved that apartment, but God called me to come home and um, to save up. So Eric and Marsha invited a team of us and they said, you'll have to quit your jobs, you know, there's no money, all that stuff. Um, so, so I knew I needed to come home, stay at home for free. Doesn't it sound so attractive? <laughs> you don't you to move to Florida, you won't get paid, and there's not even a church yet, but just come. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it was God, but I mean, Eric and Marsha, I followed them anywhere. So, um, I came home and God provided with that. I got to take care of my grandpa um, in his last months on earth and God, God literally provided that. But it was the summer and we were getting ready to come down here maybe three weeks later. And my parents went on um, a vacation up to Michigan. And so I was at home and um, Sam Styers was actually living with us that summer. And so Sam and I did a movie night, made cookies and she was going upstairs to go to bed. And I said, hey, Sam, um, will you close that door? It's freaking me out. And I slept with that door open every single night, but it just was weirding me out that night. And so um, it was the room where all my stuff was um, in storage. And so the next morning I got up getting ready for work and um, I was like, I smelled fireworks. And I thought this was weird. And Sam left that morning early. Um, and so I'm like, that's weird, I smell fireworks. And I thought, that's, why are the neighbors doing fireworks early in the morning? That's what I thought. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go back to sleep. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, get out. And so I got up, and I did what you're never supposed to do, because all your logic goes out the window. And I opened that door, and I heard an explosion. And so I ran outside, I'm in my pajamas, I get my parents, our family dog, and I get out to the end of the street and I left the door open. And so the smoke is just billowing out. And so in my mind, the house is going to explode. Like that's what happened. And so I called 911 and I talked, you know, so fast. And I called my dad and my dad has been a volunteer firefighter my whole life. And so I was trained for this. But um, I said, I told him everything that happened and he said, everything that you did was right. And um, he said, you're okay. I said, I'm okay. And so the fire department got there, and um, my dad's friends with all them, you know, so he's talking on the phone with them, and um, God just, he provided everything that day, but um, I was scared to death. And I thought of all my stuff that was there, and my grandpa had just passed away, so all those memories, and my journals, and all of that was in that house. Um, and so we made it through the day, you know, they turned the gas off, they did all the things that they do, and it was just me there. And my dad, you know, my dad was gone, my support, and I'm walking around in my pajamas. And, um, <laughs> and so a neighbor helped me, she got me clothes, and you know, all, all the people came to help. But at the end of the day, the firefighter said, do you wanna walk through the house? And I was like, absolutely not. And he said, I think you should, it will help. And so I'm walking through the house and the neighbor came with, and he's an engineer. And he looked at where the fire was, and he said, that's a gas line. And he said, this house should have exploded. And I was like, whoa. And then my dad finally got into town, looked at the house, you know, did all that, we went to dinner. And he said that he talked to the fire chief. 
And the fire chief, chief said, when I opened the door, it should have backdraft. And he said, there's, there's no way that didn't happen. Like, that's exactly what should have happened. And I looked at my journal from that day, um, just, just recently, and I wrote, um, you know, different things about how it was such a toxic plastic fire, and it really destroyed everything except the structure. And um, it should have exploded all of that. But I wrote in my journal, um, the words they are using for our stuff is total loss, but my joy is not. <laughs> I love that. Um, it was so cool. But I remember calling, calling um, Marsha, they were on vacation, and I was like, yeah, our house, like I really don't have anything except for what was in my, uh, my back of my car, because I'd just been house sitting. So I had literally a laundry basket, and a plastic bag. And she's like, just move on down to South Carolina. We'll go to Florida together. So I literally moved here with a laundry basket and a plastic bag. All my stuff, all the things that I saved up for. And, um, but coming down, like, God just totally took care of every single thing. Like, he provided. Eric and Marcia had two living rooms at their house in Indiana. And so they had this big, beautiful couch, and they just gave it to me. Um, amazing couch and different things like that that God just really came through and then insurance came at the right time and people were so generous in giving and so he provided everything but more importantly uh, here in Florida like he's given me a life and I couldn't be more thankful for our church family and for every single person um, in my life that God has truly truly blessed me with yeah That moment in like 2011, maybe, when the Lord spoke to you and said, Laura Ann, I'm calling you to something that doesn't make sense yet. I mean, all the way through, there were moments that didn't make sense that seemed like problems. And you just kept clinging to the promise. And when you had a laundry basket in a bag, you're like, this really doesn't make sense. But you kept clinging to the promise that he had called you and that he who calls will be faithful. And so I just want to reiterate that statement at the beginning of what you said, that when she said, did you hear, Laura Ann, I'm calling you to something that doesn't make sense yet. And so I hope that that can be um, something that you can grab on tonight, that even in the middle of the things that don't make sense, if he's given you that promise to keep clinging. Thank you so much, Laura. We have to do this quickly. You know, what's amazing is we could write a book, I think, all of us, if we just started putting the stories together and how God has provided in this season of moving from the life that we were all living to this one. And that's part of my testimony that I'm going to share tonight. One of the things that I have always, in my adult life, for whatever reason, worried about is having enough finances to have enough finances. Uh, and I always have had and it's interesting, why would I continue to worry about that when the Lord has always provided enough for me? Um, I may not have been able to, you know, buy that Lamborghini or whatever, but I don't need that. I don't really, really want that. But anything that I've ever needed or in my entire adult life, the Lord has provided it. But I have to confess that in my journey, in my adult life, that has been something that I have really struggled with. And um, sometimes still do, even though the Lord reminds me, how many times have I come through for you? And he has. And I would give him praise for that. And so all of a sudden, in 2015, 2016, the Lord was calling us to a place that had no home, and had no church, and had no money. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. So... Um, How's that going to work out? Uh, how are we going to do this? And But the Lord has done it. And I am sitting here right now in 2022 and testifying that there has been, a, there's never been a time in this entire journey that the Lord has not provided every single thing we have needed. And I'm amazed by that. Every single time. And there's been different means. And 
And uh, I was thinking about, there's been different ways that he's done that. And I was thinking about how to testify about that tonight with so many stories. I could, I could tell you hundreds of stories, to be honest. And maybe I will someday, but I was thinking, which ones should, do you want me to tell? And two or three came to mind, and since we're so short on time, I'm not going to tell hundreds. Um, but I would like to tell you about all of those. But I'm telling you, there are that many. Here's one. We were getting, not only were we moving from where we were moving to where we were moving, the Lord was calling us in the situation. No, the church had no home. We had no home. There was not a promise of any money or anything like that. But the Lord had promised. Not only that, but we had two boys in college at the same time. Well, how's that going to work? Okay? And different things. Well, in 1998, here's a story. In 1998, I took out a cancer insurance policy on myself. My mom had passed away of cancer. My dad was buying one. I was buying one. My brother was buying one by this person that was selling them that we knew. Just so happened to be one of those cancer policies that after a certain amount of time, if you don't use it, every dollar you paid into the premium, you get back. Well, it just so happened that in 2018 was the 20-year mark when that policy was maturing, and I had the option of every single one of those dollars getting back to me. And I have to tell you that whenever I found that out and I asked how much is it, the amount that it was was the almost exact amount that we needed to pay for Dallas's first year of college. That is unbelievable. And in 1998, I didn't know Dallas. In fact, you didn't know Dallas. He was not even born yet. But the Lord did that in 20 years before, and how, and then 20 years later, at just the right time when we needed those 13 plus thousand dollars or whatever that was going to be the rest of his school bill after his award money to pay for his first year of college. Only God can do that. That's just one, one, one example of how the Lord came through and he did it 20 years before. He knew, he knew that. There are hundreds of stories. And then he is graduating college in a few weeks and his years since then, there have been ways miraculously the Lord has helped with, it's un, it's only God the way he has provided. And I have to tell you, the math doesn't add up. If I put a ledger together and try to add up, even if I just added up the meals we've eaten, it doesn't add up in my math. But in God's it does. Here's one more story, because we're so short on time. Let's get together and have coffee. I will tell you more stories. I have so many. They will encourage you. I'm telling you this. We sold a house. We sold a car. We gave a car to one son. We gave another car to another son. We had one car. We, we share a car. And that's how we have done it. We made it worth one car. And, but we know that that car is a hybrid. And if that battery goes bad, it's five, four or five thousand dollars that we, it's like, where's that going to come from? And it was getting high in mileage, our car, a little bit, and I, could, I knew, you know what, these batteries go bad for so many years, and so, you know, I knew that was happening, and I started to sense a little bit of something with this, and do you know what happened? Marsha was taking somebody to the airport early in the morning by herself, she took, and she's on the way back, both Dan Dallas and I felt something about her trip back, on the way back. She's run off the road, off the interstate, off 275, off of the interstate by a concrete truck. She goes off the road, into the, into the, the grass, doesn't hit anything, thank the Lord, and she's okay, the truck doesn't hit her, but she is jarred around, the car is kind of jarred, and she gets back on the interstate and then drives home. All right, she tells us this when she gets home. She's good, she's okay, praise the Lord. 
I have a, a breakfast conversation that I was getting ready to go to, and so I jump into our car, and I jump into it, and I turn onto Honoré, and at that moment, every single light on the dash lights up. There's a major problem. And the message says, check hybrid battery. I'm like, okay, four or five, okay, okay, okay. Turn around, go back, and uh, Dallas's car was at home at that time, so I jump in Dallas's car and go to the breakfast. On the way to the breakfast, I start calling places that I can call and maybe get the car looked at. Long story short, I take it to Toyota, they check it out, and they say, yep, hybrid battery is bad. That's what this happened with the, when every light, it's, it's going bad, you need a hybrid battery, how much is it gonna cost? Well, exactly what they, I thought it was gonna cost. I said, well, okay. So then we took it to another person to get a second opinion, they said, yeah, that's what's going on. And I said, now listen to this. My wife was run off the road on the way home this morning early, and these things happened right after she was run off the road. Is there any chance that something got jarred loose or this happened because of that? They said, it's possible. They said, we would encourage you to do an insurance claim. I said, really? They said, give it a shot. I had asked Toyota, what about an insurance claim? I asked them if that could be a possibility too. I went and asked Toyota, and this is what the lady said to me. You could try, but I've never, ever, ever seen that go through. You could try. Okay. So, we tried. We got a rental car. We turned our car in, got it checked out. Long story short, insurance calls. She's having all the interviews about what happened, and, you know, they're trying to check, make sure the story is legit. This is for real. This is really what happened. A lady calls and says, okay, tell us the story again. She's already told the story to several different, you know, they're trying to not, you know, they're trying to make sure you're telling the truth. And she tells the story again, same story, checks out. I was run off the road, we got home, this is what happened. And this is, they said, the, the truck ran you off the road. Did you get it? Did you get the plate? No, it was so fast, did you get that? She said, ran you off the road, and this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Yes, and, Marcia, and the lady said, well, that's an insurance claim. Okay. So then that person contacted, the car's already been towed to, back to Toyota, the same person, the same place. She calls through, gives the green light. I, I go back and pick this car up, and just so happens, the lady that's talking to me before, she looked at me and she said, I don't know who you are, <laughs> or how this happened, but I'm telling you, I have never seen this happen and I said to her, I said, well, oh, glory to God. And I'm telling you right now, that is another example of how the Lord just completely has provided in this season for us and for our family and for this church. And I'm telling you, that's, that's two stories. And I want to say, glory to God, he has done it and he continues to do it. And I'm telling you, there are hundreds of more stories I would love to tell you sometime. So there's, there's none of you. He's a good, good father. Yeah, he is. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So fast forward um, to not from when we were moving here or even from that happening, which would have been late last summer, but to this fall. Well, Yes, and uh, my provision is a little different. It's still God. Uh, when Marcia told us she had cancer and told us all about it, it was the next day. Uh, I need to go for a walk, and uh, instead of walking with my husband, I just need to walk by myself. I needed some alone time with God, and I needed to walk fast and talk fast and loud and use my hands as I walked down the street and, and people, neighbors, I hope they were all in their house with their blinds closed because I was really, you know, uh, using a lot of gestures as I'm talking to God about my daughter, just in case he hadn't noticed, you know. 
So I'm walking along, and when you turn left out of our house, you go around wild through our neighborhood, and when you come back along the street, it's about a mile there. Well, a part way is a bench, and uh, I was not even to that bench. It was about a third of the way around, I suppose, and I am like praying all out, uh, perhaps bolder than ever in my life, you know? And as I'm praying, and um, I'm honoring God, and just, you know, talking to Him, and all of a sudden, a peace came over me. I wasn't even praying for peace. I was praying for healing, not peace. But a peace just seemed to kind of like stepping into a shower, and I just felt it kind of wash over me. And I recognized that was God's peace. He was giving me a peace for my daughter. There was no bright light. There was no loud vocal noise. But it was a surety of peace that things were going to be good. And as time went on, and, and by the way, I did this every day, you know. I did this walk, this hard, fast walk, and loud walk. And through the months, through the weeks and the days, and, and uh, yes, there were times when a fear or a doubt would want to creep up, you know, creep in, and, and you start wanting to think of the, or the what ifs come into your mind. And every time that would happen, I would say, no, God gave me peace. And I will hang on to that peace and I will stand. You know, I'm a woman, I can change my mind. Tom Brady can change his mind. You know, that's okay, but God's not gonna change his mind. He didn't give me peace and then change his mind. And I stood on that. And that song we just had about, I speak to the fear or how to go, something like that. I love that song. I've never seen that before. And that's what would happen. When fear and doubt would want to creep in, I would speak peace louder. Loud peace. Peace is usually southern song. But this was, I just stood on that provision. And uh, I would not doubt that God's gift to me on that first day of a walk, his peace would prevail. Well, yeah, and God kind of told you something that was unique that he was going to do for me. Do you remember what you said about he kind of said that he was going to do a certain type of miracle? And you kind of kept clinging to that. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was going to be an unusual miracle. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know if it meant he was just going to like zap everything out of her or how he was going to do it and what kind of journey it was going to be, but I just really felt that it was going to be an unusual miracle. And it's been unusual. <laughs> Incredibly unusual. And I just love that, you know, it would be really hard for a mom, you know, it's hard for the person going through it or a husband, but you know, as mom, those moms and dads in here to watch your child go through cancer, it's really hard. I mean, what a gift God gave her early on of that peace, that provided peace that he gave her so she could cling to that when the diagnosis came and it was getting seemingly worse, not better. And it just seemed like it was mounting negatively. But I remember sitting on the back porch one day and you said, I'm still believing in that peace and that unusual miracle. And so then when the tumor was in a higher place than originally placed, we were like, that's it. That's the unusual miracle. But it didn't stop there. We got to see him do more and more. And I remember being so thankful for my mom's peace because my mom can tend to be a worrier. And just to be honest, I didn't need that. And so in many ways, and we live in the same house. And so if she had been walking around worrying and 
constant worry, that could have been also hard on me. I hate to say that, but that's just the truth. One of the things that isn't helpful is emotional stress when you're going through those times. And so what a gift not only to my mom, but also to me in that season that I could actually cling to some of her peace. And, and how that was so helpful in my dad too. So as we wrap up this portion, I asked you guys to think back to a scripture and maybe a song. You know, you remember Elaine talked about the songs of the faith that she learned as a child. And Elaine, I know you learned all four verses of every hymn because I did too. Ginger and I have laughed about it. But Elaine talked about how she was able to cling to those songs of the faith because she listened to them so often as a child. They were ingrained in her, and she was clinging to them when she was laying in that bed. And she could do nothing else. She couldn't read. She couldn't talk. But she could hear those songs. And so I think that the scriptures, the word of God, and the songs of the faith that you've learned and heard over the years that maybe came to you in that season, and I've asked them to share. So we'll start with Paul. A scripture and maybe a song. Okay, yeah, first of all, uh, each year we, in the staff, we, we feel like God gives us a word. And this year, my word was believe. And I thought, why do I have that word? I mean, I've been believing for a long time. Why do I need the word believe? And, and then I started thinking, I need to believe in my faith, I guess. And that sounds really strange to believe in your faith. But I say I have faith, but do I believe that I have faith? Well, God gave me this passage of scripture during Marcia's cancer journey, and it's found in the book of John, the 14th chapter, uh, 12 through 14. And it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And he's talking to the disciples, and, but this is for me too. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I was praying in Jesus' name, and my faith was just all over the place. But I needed to believe this. It's not just words. I needed to believe it. And the song we are going to sing Believe For It. I meant to ask Marsha if we started singing that song before she knew she had cancer, but I couldn't remember if we did. And when I heard that song, October, when I heard that song Believe For It back in October, it became a very special song for me. And I wrote the words down here and it, it talks about that there's power in his name, so much power in his name. Move the immovable, and he did. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. From the impossible, we'll see a miracle. It doesn't sound unusual, but I knew. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. So that song, Believe for It, has become my, oh, I just, an anchor for me. And the scripture that says, if we believe, we can ask anything in Jesus name and it will be done. Glory to God it has been done. So I was sitting on the front porch of the parsonage, the house we lived in in South Carolina on our interim ministry on the way moving down here and we were just getting, we knew we were moving here, we were getting ready to move here and I was sitting out on the front porch realizing uh, the days and years and months of having a house, having a salary, those kinds of things were, were behind me. And uh, we didn't know where we would be moving to. We did not, we, we spent a lot of time looking at Zillow, it's unbelievable, and trying to figure out where we might live and things like that. I was sitting on the front porch and I was thinking about that and I was like, God, and he reminded me, and I was praying about it. I was like, Lord, I know you're doing this. I know that you have, have called us. I know that you're, I mean, this is you. And, and I know that you will provide, I believe that. But I am I'm really wondering how, you know. And like I said, he has time after time after time after time after time after time. And I testify to that. But I was sitting on that front porch 
and he reminded me of Matthew 6, where he encourages us not to worry. It's easier said than done. Uh, he encourages us not to worry, and he says, you know, think about the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. And I was sitting there, and I looked out, and there, right in front of me, was a yard that had flowers in, in the yard. And at that very moment, a bird landed in those flowers. And he, he encouraged me in my soul that just like I take care of that bird, I will take care of you guys. And uh, that's what he says in Matthew 6. That's his promise. He says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, your body, what you will wear. Is your life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to their, to their life, and he continues to say things about that, but then in Matthew 6, this is what he encourages us to do, encourage me to do, but he says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And so that's a scripture that the Lord encouraged me with and has through the season in Matthew 6, 33, to seek, seek the kingdom and uh, everything else the Lord will do for us. I, the song, I, I don't know, there's several songs, but um, I guess the, His Eyes on the Sparrow is the, the, the song His Eyes on the Sparrow, so I know He watches me. And then later on, I heard the song Jaira, you know, and uh, that one is powerful now, too. I was blessed to go to a Christian school in elementary school, and you learn scriptures. And so in third grade, you learn all of Psalm 23. And they bring in a different teacher to teach it, and you learn the motions. So Psalm 23 has always been in my heart. But that week of the fire, I posted this on my Instagram. It's Psalm 23, 1 through 3, the message version. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. And I posted scripture for this crazy week, scripture for my life. He's sending me in the right direction. See you soon, SRQ. <laughs> and then um, the morning of that fire, I remember walking. I ran up the stairs, ran out um, to the end of the driveway. And that year, this album by Hillsong came out. And this song just rang in my head all day. And it says, be still and know that the Lord is in control. And it's just such a slow, beautiful song. And all day long, that peace, that scripture, that song just was in my head and in my heart. And it brought so much peace. And yeah, no, if I lose everything, whatever, whatever it is, God, God's got me. Amen. We can waste it all, right, Maddie? Amen. Amen. Let's give them some love tonight. Mom and Dad, if you'll stay back, you'll join, and Mom, you can stay up here. So my dad's going to sing a song, His Eye is on the Sparrow, and I know he watches me. And as my dad sings this song, we're not going to move around the room to our response stations quite yet. I will come up after the song and lead us into that time and that space, at which time we will sing Believe for it. But in these next few moments, I was just wondering if you could just receive the words of this song. In the middle of this song, there's a part that says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And I remember in the passage that I read earlier, Genesis 22, there's a part where Abraham asks the young men that journeyed with him to stay here on this side of the mountain, on in the valley, while he and Isaac took to the mountain to take the trek up there for sacrifice. And Isaac calls out to his dad and said, Dad, we have the wood and we have everything, but where's the sacrifice? But before that, Abraham instructs his young men to stay, and this is what he says. 
Stay here with the donkey. This boy, the boy and I, will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. You see, Abraham knew he would have reason for joy. He knew he would have reason to worship because he knew who promised him all along what the future would look like. And so he knew even up the mountain that he'd have a reason to worship all the way back down. Even in the midst of our problems, we don't sing because of our problems. We sing because we're happy. We sing because we're free. And we sing because his eye is on the sparrow and know that he watches me. Just take these words for a minute.
fingers? My mom's fingers. Talk about a testimony of the hands and the lungs. Amen. Wow. Well, I think it's time to respond, church. And I don't know about you, but there's just so much I want to pour out to the Lord in worship. And there's so much I want to pour out to the Lord as I light candles. And so here's how we do it here. We move around the room. And uh, as God leads, we have candles on each side that you can light. And the little candles, the votive candles there, are to represent the things in your life, the people in your life, the places in your life, the situations in your life, the mountains in your life that need the light of the world. Jesus smacked up in the center of them. I light at least four every week. Things I'm praying for, things I'm believing for, that God will provide in these three, four ways. Light a candle. Jesus is the light of the world. Where do you need him? Or you could come and kneel and just spend personal, private prayer time with him. If you would like someone to pray with you, please grab my dad or my husband or myself or one of our pastors or a friend on the way down the aisle to come pray. Otherwise, if you're just kneeling here, we'll let you have your personal, private prayer time with the Lord. Whatever's on your heart, whatever mountain you're on, and you know it will be provided on the mountain of the Lord. Take the testimony sheet, do it at home. Sometime later, we'll do it right there in your chair. Or simply stand and sing with us and believe for it. We're going to sing that song my mom talked about. But first, let me pray for you. Oh, dear God, you are here. You are speaking. You are already providing. And we receive it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Respond as you feel led, church.